Thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and resources, please check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com. You can also search One Cause Church on Facebook and on Twitter. God bless you. Galatians chapter 5, we're going to continue our uh, series, but I want to share something with you that I recently shared with the board. We had a board meeting on Monday night and with our staff yesterday morning. Something that happened to me in the last few days that, that impacted me in a great way, and I believe that it is... Um, it is a, is a word from God for this church. Amen. A word from God that is going to become our focal point in our confession. And <clears throat> I was awakened out of sleep about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, somewhere around there, a few days ago. And I, I woke up and I was in a vision. That's the only way I can describe it. I was telling the, the staff Tuesday morning, I said, you know, it's one thing to imagine something. It's another thing to, be in, to see a vision. Because when you imagine something, you're in control of what you're imagining, right? You're, you're making your mind work to see something. But when you're in a vision, you're simply being revealed something. And you're looking at it. And when I came out of sleep, that's where I was. So my eyes weren't open. I wasn't even fully. I kind of felt like Peter when he was taken out of the prison, remember the angel rescued him out of prison and, and Peter didn't know whether he was awake or not. That was kind of the state I was in. And I was immediately over our city and I was at the corner of 121 and 75 and I saw this large multi-story building with a huge sign on top that said, Welcome to McKinney, Texas, your friends, One Cause Church. <laughs> right there at the corner. And it was, it was a big, large sign with each individual letter out of iron, and, and, um, and the building was, was, was big and beautiful. And then behind it, I looked behind it where the hospital is, where McKinney Medical Center is. And on the, on the hospital wall, this, there was a different sign that said, One Cause Medical Center. And then my eyes were taking their attention north over to the, new co- the college over there, and it said, One Cause Community College. And, and then all of a sudden, I was awake. My brain kicked in, and I said, what in the world am I looking at? What is this? And I heard the Spirit of the Lord say on the inside of me, if God is able, you are able. And then he told me to say that. <laughs> so I said, if God is able, we are able. And the moment I connected my confession to that thing on the inside, I felt this strong surge of faith come through me. And so it excited me so much that I said it again. If God is able, then we are able. And it was like lights were coming on with me. And so I got up out of the bed, and I, and I got, walked out of the, our bedroom, and I just walked around the house with my hands up just saying, if God is able, we are able. And I felt like the Lord began to deposit Something in me for all of us to rally around. And like I said to the board and the staff as well, that I don't know if God's necessarily showing us a literal place as much as he's showing us a literal truth. All right? To take the blinders off 
and believe that with God, all things really are possible. And if he's able, then you being in him are just as able because it is his ability, it is his power, it is his spirit. As a matter of fact, the scripture says, not by might, not by power, and it's talking about our, our own way, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And because his spirit is in us, then we have the ability, because it's not our ability, it's his ability in us. Yes. Is this helping you? So I want everybody for just a moment, if you would just stand up with me. I want us to declare this with our mouths. This is going to be something I want you to get into the, the, the very DNA of your prayer life about this church and about our place in this community. And every time you think of our church, every time you pray about it, every time you talk about it, I want you to say, if God is able, we are able. Let's do that together. If God is able, we are able. Let's do it again. If God is able, we are able. Again, if God is able, we are able. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Get excited about that. Keep that in your mouth. Keep that as your confession. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't have any, I have no idea what God has in store, but all I know is if he's able, then we are able. All right? I really feel a supernatural strengthening, a stirring, a miraculous resource that is is trying to manifest in this church. Are you ready? Are you ready for it? If God is able, then we are able. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. You sit, Sit down now. Hallelujah. The life of liberty... A life of legalism or a life of license. (laughs) We're going to look at tonight in Galatians chapter 5. And it starts off, one of my favorite passages of scripture that says, Stand fast, therefore, Galatians 5.1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Stand fast, therefore, in liberty. Stand fast. To stand fast is to set yourself in a position ready for resistance. Because If there's anything the enemy is trying to do to you, it's to steal your liberty and freedom. It's to to help you believe that it's not true. And you have to stand fast in that liberty. And the way that you stand fast in that liberty, number one, is to say what God has said about you. We continually say this, and we will always say this, because it's the truth that your life goes in the direction of that which you are talking about. And so you have to continue to confess what God has said so that you give yourself the ability then to stand fast. What is that? What is that? It is the confession or the profession of our faith. Remember, faith comes by how? But faith is released by speaking. Faith comes by hearing, that is, hearing the Word of God. Yeah. 
right? The word of God in it has the power. When it comes to you, gives you the power to believe. Gives you the ability to believe. But then, when it comes to you, then you have to accept that word. As Jesus said, remember the, 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 the parable of the sower, when Jesus said the sower sows the word in Mark chapter 4. He said, but these are those which uh, the, where the word, word is sown on good ground. Those who hear it, accept it, and bear fruit. Hear it, accept it, and bear fruit. Hearing it, accepting it, saying, I receive that. That's the faith motion right there, that you believe it, you receive it, but then you bear fruit by speaking it. Yeah. All right? Remember, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the what? The fruit thereof. They will bear fruit. All right? So the moment the word of God comes to you, you accept it, then you begin to bear fruit, then you take your life in the direction of the word reality and not your own reality. Hallelujah. Then you're not bound by a system, a worldly system, a worldly uh, circumstance, a worldly hindrance, a worldly idea. No, 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 you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? Amen. Is this helping your day? So you have to, this is a vigilant stance. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. That liberty is called the grace of God. By which Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Now, he's not talking about sin here. He's talking about legalism. He's talking about the works of the law through the efforts of the flesh. All right? We're going to learn a few things tonight. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And what he means by that is if you become circumcised for the, for the reason of justification, for the reason of becoming, having a righteous stance with God. All right? He said Christ then will profit you Nothing. Now we must understand the language of this, how those two things don't work together. Christ is the end of the law. Right? Christ is the end of the law. So then, if that's what you're still holding to, then Christ, what he did for you, won't mean anything. Remember, remember when Jesus told the Pharisees that your traditions are what make the Word of God null and void. Right? Now, how powerful is the Word of God? Hello. I mean, this whole world is here by His Word. He spoke it into existence. But Jesus said, Jesus taught us that something more powerful, your own traditions, can make the Word of God of no effect in your life. Your own religion your own rules and regulations can make the word of God of no effect in your life because it has to be accepted by faith and released in faith. Amen? So, Christ, and, if, and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. What he's saying is if it's going to start there, these guys have come in. Remember the Judaizers who were coming in saying, okay, you're saved now, but this is, you've got to live this way, Right? And so they said, you got to start with circumcision, then you got to begin to, to keep the works of the law. And he said, now, here's the deal. Circumcision, is, that's just the beginning point. If you're going to do that, you have to keep all the law. That's the burden of the law. 
And if you remember, God said a long time ago, when the children of Israel asked for it, God said, no man can keep it. That's the hopelessness of the law. <laughs> you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have what? Now you maybe have heard this before. I know I heard it many times that there is a process of sin that you can go down, a road that you can go down. You get to a certain point where you fall from grace. But that, that's not what this scripture is talking about. This scripture is talking about if you attempt to be justified by the law. That is that you're, you're actually doing good works. Hmm? For, the, for, the, for the case of a right relationship with God. And you can't do that. Remember, Christ could only be the one to give you a right relationship with God. Only him. Him alone. He's the only one that had the ability to do that, to bring us to God. Right? Amen. We have to exclude works from justification altogether. We have to separate those things so that we can walk in truth. All right? Good works are important. Absolutely. And we'll talk about that. But that... that that cannot be mixed with the idea of being justified by faith. It absolutely cannot happen. As a matter of fact, Paul said, not of works, lest anyone should boast. By grace are you saved, how? Through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we must understand and keep those two things where they are so that we can truly know what truth is and live in truth. See, we are continually being, there is so much Old Testament Thinking in our New Testament, believing. Right. Yes. I'm going to say that again. There is so much Old Testament thinking in our New Testament believing. And I'm telling you, I still today find it in my life. Yes. And, and the moment I find it, I try to get rid of it. Right? Because I don't want anything hindering this New Testament reality. What Jesus did for me. I don't want anything taking away from what Jesus did for me. I want him to get all the glory, all the credit, all the praise for what he has done. And I don't ever want to put myself in the position where I get some kind of credit, some kind of jewel in my crown for something he did. Hmm? It has to be that we're saved by grace through faith. That's why we, can, we have to be careful to leave what is God's, God's. <laughs> And what we can do, what we can see, what we know, stay there. Yep. All right? Because the temptation is, is to look at another person who claims to be a Christian and then to see their life and go, well, 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 you're not, you're not living for God. So two things we always do. First of all, we always question if they were ever saved. And then the second thing is we question, we tell them, we tell them things like, just you can go too far and then it's then it's too late. You can go, you just keep going down that path and then and then it's too late. But the problem with that is is that we'll say you're that you're saved by faith, grace through faith, not of works. So then how can works then undo that which was not accomplished by works? How can works undo that which was accomplished Totally apart from works. Are you hearing me? Oh, Y'all got too quiet on me there, but we have, we have to take the scripture for what it says 
and get our religion out of the way. He says, you who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Now, in, the, in the Melanesian islands of the South Pacific during World War II, the natives watched closely as the American and British engineers came in and they built these airstrips. The, the islanders were amazed to see that when the, the, the airstrips were completed, that these planes began to arrive filled with cargo. And that cargo consisted of food, of supplies, building materials, machinery, even vehicles. This, they decided, was something that they wanted in on. And so they deduced that if they built airstrips, then planes would come to them too. And, it, and along with those planes, this cargo would also come. And all of these resources and supplies. And so they according, they, they hacked uh, makeshift runways out of the jungle and built mock-up <laughs> control towers out of grass and mud. They put fires along the sides of the runways, put a man in the grass hut control tower, this is a true story, and two coconut halves on each ear for headphones. All right? They, they rigged antennas out of bamboo, and then they waited for the airplanes to land. And as far as they could see, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were just following those guys, just doing what they did. The form was perfect. It looked exactly the way it was supposed to, but it didn't work. No airplanes ever came. You know, I think a lot of times people's thinking goes, surely if my, my life looks good, if it looks spiritual, then God's blessings will flow to me. Then that, that cargo of his blessing will come my way if I'll just begin to look the part. But what they're missing, like these islanders, is the fact that this stuff comes not because of runways and control towers, but because of relationship. Relationship with the one who brings the resources. Love, joy, peace, all the others, these are not the results of some adherence to a set of Christian standards, but rather they grow out of a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Can I get a good amen? So, somebody just tweeted, sorry, I should have had my um, volume down. <laughs> Saved by faith, living by the law, it, what it does, it, 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 that's what perpetrates or fuels falling from grace. You fall from this high plane of grace down to this low level of legalism. To be saved by grace and then to try to live the Christian life by law is to fall from grace. And like I've said before, and I'm going to continue to say this again because it's said the other way, and we have to be vigilant in fighting this false doctrine, that you can't just preach grace. you got to balance that out with the Ten Commandments or with they, these preachers who can't just cannot let their control go. They can't just let 
God be God. They just can't believe that the Holy Spirit actually lives in other people too. And that he guides them into all truth too. And that he has all the ability and the gospel really is the power to save. But they just feel like they've got to control. They've got to, they've got to play God's part. Right? Well, we can't just be preaching. Great. They'll just go do whatever they want to. People just go do whatever they want to. We got, we got to balance that out by preaching, by preaching these precepts and standards and the law. But the problem with that is the law actually doesn't, doesn't balance grace. The law falls from grace. Wow. Yep. <laughs> you who tend to be justified by the law, you fall from grace. You don't balance grace. You fall out of grace. Wow. That's what that says. It's not the other leg. Let me tell you what balances grace. Faith balances grace. Faith in God. God brought grace. We give faith. And when they meet in the middle, liberty is born. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5, verse 2, verse 1. I love verse. Let me just quote verse 1 because I just love it. Therefore, having been, everybody say having been. That is already accomplished. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also, verse 2, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. The only way that you can stand in grace, like Paul is talking about, stand fast therefore in the liberty, that you can stand there is by access of faith. And the moment you get out of faith and into works, you get away from grace. You, do you see this? Is this helping you? Because the law is not of faith. You remember what that scripture? The law is not of faith. And whatever is not of faith is sin. I hope a few things are connecting for you tonight. That we have to just adhere to the truth of the gospel. The grace of God and receive it into our lives. You remember that scripture? Romans 5, 17. For those who receive an abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Those who receive, that is, there's your faith motion, an abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. Okay, I got off track there a little bit. Hallelujah. For we, let's look at verse 5, Romans, I mean, uh, Galatians 5, 5. I don't know why I'm trying to stay in Romans for some reason. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of the righteousness, the hope of righteousness by faith. Now, how many of you know that by faith we are already made righteous? So this hope of righteousness by faith is something else. You remember that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we would become, might become the righteousness of God in him? That happened the moment you put your faith in Christ. You became the righteousness of God. This hope of righteousness has to do with the full, the full consummation of salvation. That is, this body has a hope for it. Right? This is not the final thing. This hope of righteousness is about this we're going to get a new body. Everything's going to be complete when we see him. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. Here it is. He said, this is what it is. But faith working through love. 
Faith working through love. Faith works through love. Faith works through love. Faith works through love. Not through works. It works through love. This is why we have to understand, in this is love. Not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. In this is love. He loved us first. And faith works through love. Love comes into our life. We receive his love. That gives faith full action to work. It empowers your faith to go to action. All right. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him, that is Christ, who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. See, what he's saying is you can't have any of this. You got to get all of this mentality out of your mind. All of this thinking that somehow your salvation is hinging on, your relationship with God is hinging on what you do or don't do. Just a little bit of piece of that begins to disease the entire thought. The little leaven leavens the whole lot. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, that you're not going to think this way anymore. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Because in some ways, Paul did preach circumcision, not to the Gentiles, but to the Jews. Still practice the law as a Jew. Then the offense of the cross has ceased. That word for offense is the word scandalon. It means a baited trap. The offense or the baited trap of the cross <laughs> has ceased. If I continue to preach this way and still receive persecution, then the offense of the cross has ceased. So I'm not going to preach it. I'm going to preach the cross and receive persecution for the cross. Because you will receive persecution if you preach the cross. You will. And sadly enough, the most persecution you'll receive are those who claim to be your brothers and sisters. Because the world is dying and sighing and crying. Longing for hope. Looking for the answer. And the sad thing is that we are fighting each other and letting all that continue rather than just believing in this incredible gospel and preaching it as it is. This saving gospel. The gospel is what really does unify us. This message unifies us. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Now, he talked about a life, we've seen a couple of things here, this life of liberty, what it looks like, it's in Christ, and then this life of legalism is continually by the works of the law. But then I want us to look at 13, because this is important. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. See, he helps us. He, Paul shows us the way to not 
get caught up in the flesh is to serve somebody. When you serve others, then you keep a God perspective on, in your life. You keep his, because God so loved that he gave. Jesus came to serve, he said. Right? So when we look at others then, we will not take the time or make the time or have the time, for Pete's sake, to serve the flesh. Because our time is given to serve others through love. It is, that's the answer. Service for others is the answer. It's the answer. You see that? It's the cure to the disease of living in the flesh. Right? We were not made that way. We're not made to do that. We're not made to just sit up at the house. Right? We're not made for that. Because the moment we do, we begin to implode. We start looking at our trouble. We start looking at our world. We, oh, oh. Right? Everything about us just becomes so magnified. And then we just act, we're just acting like everybody else out there. Yeah. All right? Through, through service, through love, serving one another cures that. Amen. Good. I think I'd get a lot of people off pills and off medication if they just served other people. I'm telling you, I think it would just cure so much of that garbage. How many of you still love me? Good. I'm not telling you to go and throw your pills away tonight. So I'm not here throwing rocks at you. I love you. I'm just telling you that the scripture is true, right? And we won't serve the deeds of the flesh. I mean, you can come out of depression real quick when you land your feet on a continent called India, (laughs) Asia, (laughs) India being part of it, and walk around there. And when I walk around there, I go, boy, my trouble seems so small right now. You get a world perspective on life rather than a me perspective. Yeah. That depression, that, I'm telling you, it just, it, that stuff, it'll cure that stuff. Yeah. The moment you begin to feel down, depressed, just get up and go, no, I've got to go serve somebody. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to try to numb this through, with something else. I'm just going to just yeah. veg out in front of the TV and try to escape from my trouble. No, get up and go serve somebody. Yes. Go bless somebody. Call somebody up and say, hey, I just want to let you know I want, to, I want to pray with you. I love you. I just want to encourage you today. I love you. I'm telling you, it'll help you. Are you getting this? Huh? We're called to service. All right. For all, look at verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's incredible because I thought it was two laws. Because remember, remember, remember what, what the greatest, the guy came to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Then Paul says, it's all summed up in this, love your neighbor as yourself. Paul, are you saying that we shouldn't love God? Is he, he, do we really think he's saying that? No, he's not saying that. What he's showing us is the love of God is in you when the love for others is in you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Remember, John later on said, if we say we love God but we hate our brother, we're lying. Yeah. Truth isn't in us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Hallelujah. We have, to, we have to understand that. That really is what it hinges on because otherwise we can be in church praising God and, oh, great, he's here. <laughs> Oh, but I love you, Jesus. 
I love you, Lord. Is she, re- she really wearing that skirt? Is she re- really? Really? All right. <laughs> All right. First Corinthians chapter 10. Can you handle a few more minutes? First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Paul says something astounding to me. This, this, this verse of scripture, I love it. You talk about setting you free. Let's bring that up. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Mr. Martinez. All things are lawful for me. Let's just stop and think about that for a second. All things are lawful for me. What did Paul just say? There is no thou shalt nots for me. There are no thou shalt nots for me. All things are lawful for me. But not all things are helpful. Or one version says profitable. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. What he's saying is just because I can doesn't mean I should. Okay? And Christian, you'll find out how mature you are as a Christian when you're living your life for the what can I do? What can I get away with? What's okay? Pastor, is it okay to drink? What, is it okay if I do this? Is it okay? Or are you over here on the other side that's growing that says, yeah, okay, I could do that, but is that helpful for my life? Is that, is that going to take me in a direction that God has for me? Is this going to end up being a weight, a hesitation on my life to receive from God? So you can either live on the, what can I get away with? Or what does God want from me? Okay? He says all things are lawful. Say this with me. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. Because here's the thing. Not all things edify. Now we're going to jump over uh, Michael, go to verse 31 there in that same chapter. Here's why. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Next. Give no offense neither to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. That's everybody. Just as I also please all men in all things... Not seeking my own profit. Oh, that's what he was talking about earlier. Not all things are profitable. Not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. God forbid if my liberty, if I allow my liberty to stop someone from being saved. So we're either for the profit of me or for the profit of them. Amen? Can I get a good amen tonight? All right. We're almost done. But if you, uh, let's go back to 15 in, in Galatians. But if you bite and devour one another, I'm glad I don't go to that church. But <laughs> happens in the nursery sometimes. Beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. What he's saying is your spirit's talking to you. It's telling you, that's that desire on the inside of you. Man, I want to do the right thing. I want to live right. I don't want to do that stuff anymore that I did before. There's something in you that continues to be contrary to what your flesh seems to be doing. Are you hearing me? Huh? And so there's this struggle all the time. And so he said that, so you don't do the thing that you wish to do. You're good there. Yeah, the inner man is wanting to do the good, but that flesh is continually fighting you. So you have to be vigilant to walk in the spirit. To be aware that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. But that body is not who you are. You are a spirit. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Amen. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Here we go. I like the way the Amplified says it. They are obvious. Which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions. Ugh. Man, I, I was good with the adultery and the fornication and uh, the other stuff, the sorcery. I don't, I don't, I'm not a witch. But, <laughs> but man, when I get on 75, I have been known to have a few outbursts of wrath. Hmm. See, a lot of times we measure ourselves, our holiness, like we talked about last week, the checklist, by the things we don't do. Well, I know I don't do that and I don't do that. But hey, 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 this is in the same list. The same list as adultery. I can't believe that guy cut me off. Right? Same list. Jealousy. Same list. Hmm? Somebody gets a raise at work. You didn't get the raise. Hmm? And you can think of every reason why they shouldn't have and you should have. Right? Makes the list with the witches. The prostitutes, the adulterers, hmm? This will help us to look over this from time to time so that we won't get such a big head about ourselves. Hmm? I have to admit, I'm working on some of these. Selfish ambitions. Don't we almost do that every day? Hmm? We, got, we have to just check ourselves. Selfish ambitions? Well, man, that's so general. What does he mean? <laughs> okay, anyway. Dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. I love the way he does it. And stuff like that. 
case I missed anything else, stuff like that. Of which I tell you beforehand, listen, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Bum, bum, this is where your salvation is at risk. <laughs> those who practice such things, bum, bum, bum. This word kingdom here is an interesting word. In the concordance, in the Greek concordance, it specifically says not a literal kingdom, but one that deals with rule and dominion. How many of you know that you are in this world to have dominion and to rule? And to reign in life. But when you practice things that are contrary to the nature of God, to who you are supposed to be, ladies and gentlemen, you have relinquished your right to rule and to reign in the kingdom of God. This is not talking about your salvation. This is talking about what you are doing in this earth. You will not inherit what you are supposed to be inheriting here. So you have to understand the purpose that you're living for. It is big. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, I think we got the peculiar people part down right. It's the other stuff that we've got to realize about ourselves. Yeah, we're definitely weird. Hey, wait, yeah, but you're also a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Are you hearing me? Royal. You are royalty. And if you continue to practice these things, then you relinquish then the right to rule and reign. So, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, I'll show that to you. I'll show you again why, why that's true, all right? Y'all don't, don't leave me yet. I felt some of you just... Walk off from me. Don't, don't do that. The law restrains flesh. The spirit constrains our new nature. The spirit produces what the law required us to do. The law made a slave, which brought fear. Grace makes a son, which brings love. Grace frees the believer to do the right thing. Look at verse 22. We all know this. But the fruit of the Spirit, hallelujah, is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. Remember that one was always the banana in kids' church? It was in our church. Anyway, when, they, when the teacher brought the different fruits, long-suffering was always the banana. Long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and my favorite one, self-control, right? The, this is the fruit of the Spirit. Ah, oh, now this is wonderful. This is coming from a reality of who you are, who you are already. 
who he is in you. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what's the fruit? How do we realize the fruit? By what we say. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's a done thing. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live. Well, you got to die daily. you got to crucify your flesh daily. No, I don't. I already crucified my flesh. When Jesus Christ was crucified, that's where I was crucified. Right? Because, see, here's the problem. If we, if we continue to think that we have this martyr mentality, yeah. that if I've got to die, right? That was a big thing when I was in Bible college. I mean, we were just about just dying, dying, dying. Right? <laughs> Kill the passion of the flesh. Kill the lust of the flesh. Crucify that old man all the time. And you know what people were doing? Living by the flesh. Because their minds were on the flesh. Minds were on the flesh. There was an NFL coach. I want to say it was Jimmy Johnson years ago who told his wide receiver, one of them, I think it was Alvin Harper, was having a problem holding on the ball. And Jimmy Johnson was always telling him, don't drop the ball, don't drop the ball, don't drop the ball. He said, one day, I got a revelation. I don't know if he said revelation. That's a big word for Jimmy Johnson. He, he said, he said I, I, I realized all I was telling him was don't drop the ball, and all he was doing was dropping the ball. So I would tell him, when you catch the ball, run. <laughs> After you catch the ball, do this route or do that route. And he said, man, all of a sudden, this guy started holding on to the ball. Are you hearing me? Yeah. This is why we live in the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit with the fruit of the Spirit. We talk about what we have in Christ, that we have this understanding. We are seated there in heavenly places with him as he is. So are we in this world. When you get your mind focused on that and you get your mouth talking about that, then you will naturally not obey the lust of the flesh. Amen. It's a greater reality to live in the spirit than to kill the flesh. The deeds of the flesh, I should say. See, the victory that we have is not known, known by our struggling, but by our continual surrendering to Christ. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Those are two different things. If you're a child of God, you already live in the Spirit. But you have an obligation to also walk in the Spirit. There's the practical side of it. The beautiful reality is, the theological side of it is that you live in the Spirit. But the practical side is, you've got to walk this thing out. Hmm? Are you hearing me? Is this helping you? Let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So just as we learn to walk physically by trial and error, how many of you have kids and you watch them go through that whole process, right? Just, I mean, it takes them a while. First, they have to, you get so excited when you see them flip over, right? Yeah, right? And before long, you find yourself putting something in front of them and watching them wiggle their way to that little whatever, right? And before long, they're up on all fours. And I, I used to love watching Maddie do that. She would rock back and forth. She wanted to go so bad, she had no idea what to do with her hands and her, her arms and legs. She just sat there, rock back and forth. Right? But eventually, they 
begin to crawl, and they make their way over to the table, and they start to pull up, you know, and it's just, it's a, it's a trial and error process, and bang, bang their head on the table and crying, and, right? But, but they keep trying. How is it a baby keeps trying? I mean, they go through a lot of trial and error doing that, all the pain, but they don't let that stop them. So this is how we, just as we learn that by trial and error, that we walk by the Spirit. It's a learning process. And ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be mistakes made along the way. There's going to be failures. There's going to be a fall. And it's going to happen. But the important thing is when you begin to keep trying, to keep going. I like what one preacher said. He said, I'm never down. I'm either up or I'm getting up. Right? Just keep that mentality. Just keep getting up. Keep getting up. I'll finish with this thought. The struggle that we have, that struggle, we have a temptation as believers to feel so bad about that struggle between flesh and spirit. We automatically feel bad about ourselves when we feel like, when we know that we want to do right, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes we say the thing we didn't want to say or we do the thing we didn't want to do. And it grieves us on the inside, right? And so we bring ourselves boldly before the throne of grace and obtain his mercy and find grace. Hallelujah. And then we, we do okay for a while, right? But then we say something again, talk, you know, lash out at our spouse. Now, I'm not talking, this never happens in our house, but I'm just saying other people, other places. <laughs> but this happens, this happens and so when that happened, we, we always oh, we feel so bad about ourselves. And then we began to place our identity in our weakness and in our inability to get it right. But here's the thing. What we forget sometimes is where we've come from to where we are now. Because there was a time in your life when you didn't struggle with stuff like that because you didn't flip and care that you were doing it. Right? You didn't care that you were doing those things because you, you didn't have a relationship with God. But now when you got in Christ and his nature began to work on the inside of you, the things that used to not bother you, now they bother you. And you feel this struggle. Let me encourage you. At that moment, you should get excited yeah. that you're growing up. Yeah. You're growing up. That's not the time to go, it's never going to get this right. No, it's like, whoa, 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 hang on a second. Hang on a second. I'm going to give that new nature some credit right now. I, am, I don't want to do that. That encourages me. So be encouraged and not discouraged in the struggle. And keep growing. Just like that little baby who bumps its head, it doesn't get discouraged and give up. It gets back up and keeps going. Right? If a baby can do it, ladies and gentlemen, come on. We can do this. Does this help you tonight? Okay. I was going to tell you I was going to get over into the other part, but I'm done for tonight. Um, in Galatians chapter 6, when we're, uh, just, just to leave you with that thought that, that um, I don't even remember what I was talking about. Oh, yeah, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God and us, us practicing these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians chapter 6 is going to help us go into a greater depth of that, okay? So we'll save it for next week. Let's stand together.
Hallelujah. Glory to God. If God is able, we are able. Let's say it again. If God is able, we are able. Is he able? Is he able? Then what? Okay. Father, thank you. Let's, let's lift our hands toward heaven for just a minute. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For this liberty that we have by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us a place called grace to stand in. Lord, may we just keep it simple. Stay in that truth and live our life from that reality. And never let anyone or any feeling or any old way of thinking take us out of that truth. Help us to just accept your word, hear it, accept it, and bear fruit. Thank you for your grace. Jesus, we want to give you all the glory in our lives. We want you to receive all the credit and all the praise that is due your holy name. It was your name that we called on in our day of trouble. And you delivered us. You delivered us out of darkness and out of our despair and out of our sin and out of our failures, out of our defeats. You pulled us out of all of that. You translated us into a realm of light and victory. Thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, may we be vigilant to live in that victor, victorious stance called the grace of God. Being vigilant in faith. Bless your people tonight. And as they go from here, God, that we would go into this world bearing the fruit of the Spirit. That love would have its perfect work in us. That the, our faith would be empowered by the love of God. That we would keep our eyes on what your eyes are on. This world that you love so much. People that are out there seeking truth. Needing to hear the words that will save them. The words of life. The words of grace. The words that God loves them. And that he has made a way for them to have relationship. To live with them forever through his son. Give us those opportunities. We know they're out there. Help us to see them, God. And to seize them. To live our life with this purpose. The one cause of Christ. That he died for our sins. He was buried. And he rose again. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. We invite you to check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com for upcoming events and information about us. God bless you.